Hallelujah. Praise the Lord forevermore. There is no doubt that the Spirit of the Lord has walked into this place today. Uh, the moment of intercession before the Lord, responding, God, to the worship of his people. God is just amazing, just an amazing God. Why don't we have our seats at this time? Uh, we're sitting at a moment of transition uh, here in our city and in our state. Uh, the mayor just announced that this curfew is over now, and we're looking at the possibility of opening up now tomorrow or starting to open up the city not the church yet, our church, but certainly the city. The, all those restraints and guidelines and restrictions are being lifted. The state of New York the same way. And uh, we're thankful for that. We have to walk carefully into this area of transition uh, as we see these changes, which are long overdue. I don't know if you realize, but we've been under the same, same place for about 100 days already. So it's a long time. And now it looks like we're going to be making a turn and pulling out. But I, I want to share this with you. Last night um, uh, I was in my home and I heard a commotion outside. And, yes, usually here in the city, in New York City, at about 7 o'clock, the, the city in our area, our neighborhood, and, and in many neighborhoods in the city, they break down in clapping and thanking the uh, those responders, the, the medical professionals that have been helping. And, and I heard this noise outside, but I realized that it was way beyond 7 p.m. In fact, it was beyond the, the curfew. And when I went to the window, our window in our living room, we're on the 15th floor. It actually faces the church building. I looked downstairs uh, to East Broadway, and uh, I was left a little bit speechless when I saw the number of demonstrators that were on East Broadway right in front of our building. And when I looked at the intersection of Clinton and East Broadway, which is right next to our building, for those of you that are not in this area and perhaps listening to us from other places in the nation and in the world, right, not too far from us in the intersection, it was completely jammed. And I'm not exaggerating. There were probably several thousand people. And I, I held my breath for a while because they were marching right in front of our building. We have a glass door. And to be honest with you, we've heard all of this craziness going on, not just here in the city, but throughout the world with demonstrations. And the demonstrations, although peaceful, have been infiltrated by a few crazies, as we say, that have tried to agitate the crowd. And for a moment there, I held my breath as they started to march in front of our building. And I'm looking and looking at this crowd. And I hear the helicopter whirring, uh, blades whirling above and... Then I realized, as I'm looking, that I could tell it was a peaceful demonstration. People were just sharing their view, which is allowed in this country. No one was doing anything out of the ordinary, but just marching down the street peacefully. And I could tell from 15 floors up, I could tell that it was a peaceful demonstration. And so I started breathing again, knowing that our building was going to be okay. But I could tell. I want to preach a sermon today entitled, What Can or Can You Tell? Can You Tell? People look at you, look at us. Can they tell? Or what will that demonstrate? What message is that transmitting? And I want to take a, just a few moments to have a brief reflection on the church of the first century, the church of Acts, when, you know, last week we talked about Pentecost Sunday and the power of the Holy Spirit. The church was in transition. 
and power came down and incredible things happened. We call it the birth of the Christian church. But there were things going on, not so much in the agency, the body, or the group, the collective of the church, but in individual people. And I want to park my comments starting from Acts chapter 4, just one verse I want to read, verse 13. And it says this. This is chapter 4. Power of God already came in uh, upon them. Peter had already preached his powerful sermon. Thousands came to become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church now received this energy, this power, this anointing to move forward. And in the middle of that, Peter, who didn't demonstrate any preaching abilities prior, if you look through the Gospels, all of a sudden, endued with the power of the Holy Spirit, starts to do what he never did before. And not only do it, but he did it excellently because, again, at the altar call, thousands came. And because of that, they were now being pressured and persecution uh, started against them. But look at what it says in verse 13. And this is now those that were coming against Peter and John and the apostles and the followers of Christ. Look at what they said. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note that although these were ordinary men, and, and, and it's written, Luke writes it very diplomatically here, but basically it was a put-down. They were not smart. They were not uh, clever. They were not intelligent. Not, they were not resourced. They were not in the higher crusts of society. They were just ordinary men. And when they saw that these men unschooled had an incredible following of people, were making an incredible impact, they realized, they took note that they had been with Jesus. It's interesting when the power of the Holy Spirit came down upon the first believers, this, uh, they needed to uh, uh, confront these, um, the oppression, the, uh, the persecution that lifted up against them. Remember, the book of Acts is the story where Stephen is, is, uh, is martyred. The first martyr of the Christian church we find there in the, in the book of Acts. So power of the Holy Spirit comes down and all of a sudden persecution, opposition. We sometimes think that once we're walking the path of righteousness and walking right and doing right, that then the, 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 the ground is paved with ease. No, oftentimes that just stirs the harness of demonic forces and opposition rises up. And there is suffering. In fact, it says that Peter and John were arrested by these religious leaders because they saw the people following them and what they were proclaiming and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. They seized Peter. And then because it was nighttime, they ended up putting them in jail. So uh, in the moment of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of God, the plan of God over our lives, in the moment of the infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden we're introduced to this thing also called suffering, persecution. And, and I am in no way prophesying calamity coming our way. I'm not sure if things can get as bad as they are. I'm not sure. You know, the, 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 we're, we're, our nation is the sickest it's ever been uh, physically. We're the poorest. It's ever been high unemployment through the sky. Our reputation nationally is in shambles. So I'm, not, I'm not sure the church is divided. As we heard Pastor E praying, it's, it's so true people are divided. I'm not sure if things could get worse. Uh, but I'm here to tell you that 
Can Jesus, can they tell that you've walked with Jesus? Can they tell that I've walked with Jesus? Can I carry myself in such a way that, that the message doesn't even have to be preached with words because people can tell that there's something about me? How I navigate through difficult times. I want to applaud so many of you, church. Uh, we've been in, in, aware of trials, tribulations, and sicknesses that have happened to so many of our our church people, and I, I admire the way so many of you have walked through that, that, that calamity, that persecution, that sickness with such dignity and carried it through. We have reason to celebrate. I celebrate with my brothers. We thank God we haven't had the number of fatalities for COVID that some of the churches and communities have had, but we've had some. But I admire the way the family members with the loss and, and the added insult to injury that they couldn't be with their loved one in their last moments. And yet they walk with dignity in the middle of suffering. See, that's what the anointing of the Holy Spirit does. That's what the outpouring of the Holy Spirit does upon us. It changes our temperament. It changes the way we react. If you notice with me, the uh, Peter who became this exemplary preacher now in the book of Acts... The story of him cutting somebody's ear happened before he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He must have become calmer and gentler later on. I mean, he still confronted. His preaching is repent. Very confrontational. Uh, something happens when the infilling of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And sometimes we limit the work of the Holy Spirit. Your, your, your character, temperament, you, you're filled with integrity. You're filled with balance. You don't lose your equilibrium at any given thing but rather you hold yourself steady. And I want to also applaud our church and our leadership. We've had over 100 days in this journey that now it seems like we're coming out. And so many of you have demonstrated incredible equilibrium, balance, difficulty managing difficult uh, information and news, and yes, going through these moments of explosive anger and, 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 and tensions because of what's going on all around us but tempered. We didn't lose our cool. We're standing firm before the Lord. Yes, there were moments when you want to do whatever, but the power of the Holy Spirit. So we sometimes limit His work. Can people tell? Can you tell? The system is the problem. We hear it often. I heard a famous national preacher here talk about this, and I really took this to heart, that what we're seeing around us is really a, a, a systemic deformity. Systemic deformity. That we're, we see a, a system that is pressuring us all around us. And yes, we have problems of racism. By the way, not just in this country. It's a, it's a national darkness, that, an international darkness that's covered the world. But here we're seeing it more blatantly. And yes, uh, the uh, people are misogynists. They're, they're afraid of this and fear are covering us all over the place. And we want to build higher walls and longer walls. But the problem is systemic. I lean on Robert Lithicum's teachings when he says that, that a, a city of God, city of Satan in his book, that not only the power of redemption is for the individual person, but also to redeem systems. We need to be agents of change that will cause that transformation to, to get some traction. People are nervous right now. They're, they're talking about disassembling this agency and that agency. I read in the papers yesterday of, uh, of people already starting to protest because they're afraid that the police department in their, in their town is going to be defunded. Well, we, we need to calm down. Systems are bad, but as Pastor Enid had preached earlier today, uh, rather prayed a few moments ago, uh, we, we have to realize that, that there's, there's good people out there. 
There's a remnant that holds on. Yes, in the police department, and yes, even in demonstrators, and yes, in government, both municipal, state, and federal. They're good people. And I pray that they be powered or overwhelmed and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that the systemic changes that need to happen will begin to happen. And, and we see it in the text, by the way. Prior to them noticing that there was something unusual with these unschooled ordinary men because they had been with Jesus, there was a systemic pushback. It says in verse 5 that the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law, they got together. Annas, the, the high priest, was there, and, his, and Caiaphas, and John, Alexander, and the families. And they had Peter and John brought to them before them and began to question them. But by what power and what name do you do this? So pressures are going to come. Difficulties are going to come. But I love Peter's reaction. See, because we not only have to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, but we have to be emboldened as well. Emboldened, filled to, to such a way that we move forward. And I love, it says in verse 8, that Peter, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of, of the people, if you are being a call to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and, and being asked how we healed them, then know this. And this is important because we, we heard it in the prayer today. It is by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And church, as we begin across this city, across this state and nation, to start making plans to return back to the places of worship, the church is not higher than the name Jesus. The pastor and leadership and elders are not higher than the name Jesus. Our theology, our religious traditions are not higher. Let's not go back because we want to hear those great songs sung again by the collective congregation. But rather, let's go back because we want to honor the name of Jesus and Jesus in our lives. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the chosen one. He is the one to whom we bow down and worship him. And they were emboldened and filled. And Peter, with that uh, uh, courage, uh, said to them, no, it isn't about us. Is it about me and John? No. It is in the name of Jesus. You know what? Salvation is found under, uh, uh, in no name. That's what verse 12 says. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we can be saved. And church, we need to prioritize as we return the coming home again. Returning back to our sanctuary. And we'll, church, we'll give you announcements, information with plenty of weeks in advance. Not yet, but we'll be giving it to you shortly. As we return, we have to remember, church, that we need to showcase Christ. He needs to be the reason. We need to bow to him, yield to him, give him glory. Let him be the center of everything that we do. And people will be able to tell that we've been with him. It says in the text in verse 13 that, again, they thought they were unlearned. You know why? Because education has its place. I'm big on that. Reading has its place. I'm big on that. Titles even have this place. I'll call you whatever it is you want to be called. Do it respectfully. But at the end of the day, if our diplomas, vestments, title, high positions don't do anything, they should reflect Jesus. They should reflect Jesus on the inside and on the outside. These men did not say who they were. They were not wearing collars when they were brought in. They were probably not even wearing their Sunday best. Well, they didn't start Sunday services yet then, but they weren't dressed up for church, if you will. But there was something about them that you could tell 
that they were hanging out with Jesus. You know what? You don't have to hang out with anybody too long before you start acting the way they act, speaking the way they speak. I'm, I'm thoroughly bilingual, Spanish and English. And immediately, once I discern that somebody wants to speak to me just in Spanish, I flow right into it. And you would never know that I speak English. And vice versa. Because the crowd around, that's what happens with these riders. They're, it's only a handful. And they come and they go into the crowd. And before you know it, they're moving other people toward them. That's why you have to be careful who you hang out. We have a, a Spanish phrase that says, you know, tell me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. Uh, we need to get closer. And when we return, we need to go to the feet of Jesus. When we return, we have to worship the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords so that people can see a difference in us. And then finally, can you tell? You know why they could tell? And Peter said it when he was responding uh, to those that called him in, called him on the carpet. Verse 14 uh, said, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to be withdrawn from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. In other words, the evidence of their anointing and power was standing right next to them. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was a man who was sick and now he was healed. What is the proof of your life, my life? What is the proof of this church? What is the proof of our congregation that we've been with the Lord? I'll tell you what it is. It's the actual people that sit here that came into this place, broken, destroyed, on the verge of it's over in their lives. And Jesus came into their lives. The Holy Spirit overpowered them, transformed them, and now he has taken them into places that they never thought they would be before. That's the evidence. I want us as a church to know this. That as we get ready to call everybody back into the house, I want the community and the world to know who we've been with, who we've been hanging out with. I know we're coming out of our houses. How can I say this diplomatically? Um, fatter, <laughs> with more hair, we need haircuts, you know, confined into those spaces. But that we come running to this place and to the places throughout to go to the feet of Jesus so that people can tell that we hang out with him. Can you tell? Father, I thank you for precious moments like these when we can honor you in this place and showcase only you. I pray that, God, that you would help us, that we would continually go before the altar of brokenness, confess our sinfulness before you, that we can go before you, Lord, and try to emulate you in every way. That we try, Lord, to have people know who we've been with, and that's Jesus Christ. That we will lift up the name of the Lord in everything that we do. And that you, Lord, dear God, will allow us to experience the incredible breakthroughs that need to happen in our lives. So that we can honor you in every way. I thank you, Lord. I pray your blessing over us always. And I pray, dear Lord, that the church will be empowered and enriched in a powerful name. In Christ's name, I pray.